BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. So my guest today uh, wears a lot of hats. She's a podcaster. She's been a healthcare professional and a writer. She's a leader, a coach, an influencer. She's a Latina, a powerful and uplifting voice for Hispanic women. She's even been called a chingona recently. I won't call her that unless she wants that title. It does carry some controversy depending on who you ask. Um, But I asked her to come on the program to get a different perspective. You see, when folks think about the word Zen, thoughts and images of quiet, serenity, calm, peacefulness, things like that come to mind, right? But quiet and calm are not words I would generally use to describe Raquel Rocky Flores. By her own admission recently, she is an assertive voice that uh, quote unquote commands your attention when she's in the room. I believe that's how she phrased it recently on another podcast. It is certainly true. But Zen is much more than those descriptions I mentioned. In truth, those short-sighted definitions merely scratch the surface because Zen is also about authenticity. It's about being real and observing life as it truly is. In that way, I would say Rocky Flores is very much Zen. She's a realist, a straight shooter. She might be a Zen master for all I know. I am delighted to have her share her story and mission with us today She joins me now from Houston, Texas. Welcome, Raquel Flores. My goodness. Thank you so much, Mark. After that, I'm just like, okay, he said it all. (laughs) It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, that's all, folks. Well, uh, go to ZenSandwich.com to answer the show, and that's the whole podcast. No, Uh, no, because your story is fascinating, and I want people to hear it. Uh, Before I dive right into that, though, teach us gringos how to roll the R's. How do I do it? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I know you do a great job at it, Mark. So I really appreciate that. I really don't. Go ahead. So usually I tell people, yes, that the name you can call me Raquel, but 
you have to inject some more flavor into that. And, you know, the spiciness of being a Latina. So for me, if you call me Raquel, so you have to really get but in there. How do I do that? Raquel. I, I, Raquel. I, I, I'm impressed, but you're not telling me how to do that. You really have to relax the tongue and, and let it roll. Uh, let relax. it roll. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, it, you know, it's one of those things that it. I, I ask people, go ahead and roll that R. Roll it. Uh, or roll it, like it says. And they're like, yeah, I can't do it. I'm like, it, it takes time. It takes practice. I, You know, I teach English sometimes in Japan. And R's are, English R's are difficult for Japanese people. Mm. And for me, I'm like, why don't you get it? Why don't you understand it? You know, you just, and I like draw diagrams. Like, here's where your R, where your tongue is in relation to your teeth and the top of your mouth. When you do an L versus an R, because Japanese people, they just don't have that sound. So it's really hard for them. But uh, but now I'm on the other side of it. I understand their frustration because I mm. can't do that Spanish. Anyway. Well, um, while you and I share some of the same audience, Rocky, a little bit, like in the, <clears throat> the Hounds of Business and uh, uh, group and the LinkedIn universe, uh, who who might know who you are, there are actually a lot more who will listen to this show who don't might not know anything about you. So let's start with that, with your basic story. You were born in El Salvador and your parents immigrated to the United States at one point without you, right? Tell us that story. How old were you? Why did they come to the United States? And you were separated from them for like seven years, right? Give us that background. Absolutely. So was born in El Salvador. This, you know, United States, Houston is my second home. But the civil war that really ravaged through El Salvador lasted 11 years. Uh, and it, it's, it really caused so many senseless deaths, uh, over 75,000. And that included, you know, women, men and children. So my parents at that time, they had a a business, you know, they were entrepreneurs and uh, with, with the gorilla, you know, just with everything that was going on, it was not um, sustainable to have a business. They, you know, they would just, they would be shut down. Everything will be closed. And so they did, they decided that, you know, it would be best for them to migrate to Northern horizons and search for a better life for, for my two brothers and myself. So was and it, so not to interrupt, but well, I am. Uh, is it was it just a financial reason? Was there any any fear of like physical harm or like like drug lords or something like that, or or was it just of like we can't make it here financially? At that point, it was more the financial, right? There was no the the gangs weren't. Right. They didn't exist at that point, right? It was not like no no drug thing. No, it was okay. more political, right? Okay. And the fact that it was financial, that political affected the financial. So right, okay. And then, how old were you when they left? I was three. Okay, yes. so you were too young to know what was going on. Yes, I don't. I don't recall. I don't have memories of that. And, and again, I think I actually have selective memory that I don't remember some of the aspects of the cruelty that I uh, that I saw and yeah. that I experienced in El Salvador during my childhood. And, you know, some kids are able to remember, you know, when they were four or five. And I'm like, I have no memories of that. Yeah. Not in addition to the separation, though, what happened the following year after my parents actually arrived to the United States is my older brother, um, he passed away. He drowned oh. in a freak accident in a river. So I have no memories of him. And oh, wow. sometimes 
I tell myself, like, I'm mad at life for not allowing me the just that closure to remember him in my memories. Yeah. But it's also I think it's also a gift that I don't remember him like that, because then it would hurt even more. Right. My brother, my other brother, who's alive, who's here with me in Houston, he remembers him. Obviously, he's the one who saw him go under. Wow. And um, but, you know, he was younger. He couldn't save him. So if he had tried, he would have gotten under as well. So um, it's one of those stories that really nobody knows. Yeah, I didn't didn't know that about you. Yeah, I didn't know that. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Is that so your living sibling? Is that your only other sibling or do you have others? That's correct. It's my other one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you were in El Salvador from three to ten and what your parents show back up to come get you. Right. So after my parents immigrated, they spent like three, honestly, three long months in the Mexican desert, you know, fighting for to live. Uh, The story of their crossing is in itself a book. Uh, You know, I I may release that book later on in life. Mm. Um, But they arrived here. They started working like many of those who immigrate in, in the agricultural farms, agricultural fields, picking anything that you can think of. Mm. And, um, then at that point, it was uh, Reagan's amnesty who mm-hmm. like helped him get legalization and they were able to, you know, get some the documents for us. And I set foot here in 1993, uh, okay. almost like I said, seven years later, my mom went back for us. So you were 10. With documents in hand and I was 10. Mm-hmm. Could you speak any English? Not at all. The only thing I, I think I could say was thank you. That was it. Wow. Because you don't have... An accent. I mean, you you got like just a, a a hint of like Latina flavor, but you don't mm. you don't your grammar is perfect, and you you sound like a native English speaker. But you weren't you didn't start until you were ten. I didn't start until I was ten, and my acculturation and my assimilation process was was very difficult, to be honest with you. And I cannot imagine how much how much more difficult it was for my brother because he is four years older than me. So right. the older you get, the harder it is to learn new things. But oh, for yeah. me, uh, when I was ten, I really vowed to myself that I was going to make my parents' sacrifice count. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to honor them and become what they call a woman of good. In Spanish, they say, <laughs> una mujer de bien. Mm. So, and I told myself I will learn this the language as mm-hmm. best as I can. I will become a highly educated woman. And I believe that I've done justice to their own, you know, to of their course. sacrifice. You wouldn't be here on Zen Sandwich if you didn't. Um, so uh, do you think primarily in Spanish or English? And that is the funniest thing. I do think primarily in Spanish and I'm much more expressive in Spanish. So sometimes you see me kind of hesitant when I'm doing interviews, you know, either I'm a guest or I'm, I'm hosting right. and I'm like, OK, I want to say this, but it's not really literally translated to English. English yeah. is much more restrictive when it comes to expressing, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know if it's the same with Japanese. Maybe yeah. not. Well, uh, actually, English is a little more flexible than Japanese. So there's okay. there's kind of only one way to say certain things in Japanese. And that's not due to my limited vocabulary. Really, there's like, you know, it, it really depends. I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because there's actually a lot of words that exist in Japanese that don't exist in English at all. And so, like, mm-hmm. I, I teach, I primarily teach English, but I actually teach one guy here Japanese. He, his Japanese is just on a very elementary level. And instead of him mm-hmm. picking up a, 
a um, a native Japanese speaker, I actually teach him Japanese because I I know what his brain is thinking. So mm-hmm. I know how to explain it to him. Like, yeah, man, you can't think about it. I, I mean, you obviously can think in English and you mm-hmm. think in Spanish. That's why I asked that question. You know, he's not at that point. He's still thinking in English and then translating it to Japanese. And I'm trying to gotcha. tell him, like, you got to you got to start to just like adopt it and think in Japanese. That's the, yes. the only way to do it. <laughs> yeah. But no, to to answer your question, I primarily think in Spanish and then I have to translate it to English. But needless to say, in some certain topics, uh, you know, that obviously are more ingrained to towards my life here. Mm-hmm. I do think in English It's so weird, but yeah. it's a beautiful thing. It's it's like a gift piece I've heard. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, there are definitely times now where the Japanese pops in my head faster than it does the English, you know, because mm-hmm. I just use it more. Like if I'm speaking with my wife, you know, like I don't ask like, are you okay? Like let's say she stubs her toe because she's Japanese. I'll, I'm more apt to say like, like, are you okay? And I, because I use that more than saying, are you okay? Now I might say that I might be on a Zoom call with somebody and go, and they're like, wait a second. They don't know what the hell I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> enough yes. about that. Um, Well, do, I, I actually do want. Uh, one more question that on that topic, do you dream mm-hmm. and uh, you dream exclusively in Spanish or is it mixed? It's mixed. Yeah. Yes, it's mixed. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> um, how do you think those early experiences you had? What and and before I go to that question, what did you think when you're 10 and your parents show up and you haven't seen them in seven years and you don't really remember them? Like, or were you like, who are these people? Or did you just immediately embrace them like, oh, this is mom and dad? So it's funny that you asked me that because I had to really dive deep into those early years of my life, you know, looking back and knowing that they left us, right? My mom and my dad came here to the United Mm -hmm. States and they left us under my grandmother's paternal grandmother's care. Mm -hmm. And so that's all I knew, you know, once my mom shows up. Seven years later, it was only my mom who actually went back. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, this is my mom. You know, this is my mom. I don't have any memories of her. The only time that it, the only thing that we used to do back then is phone. We didn't have video calls. We didn't have anything. So I used right. to talk to her and they used to tell me, that's your mom. That's your mom. You know, that's your dad. And so you, um, you know, when we're, when we were raised, my grandmother's was a Jehovah's witness. So uh, mm. we, I was pretty much kind of like um, told this, you have to be respectful. You know, I grew up in that and it's very right. restrictive. So, and, um, and as soon as my mom showed up, you know, it's that bond, it's mm-hmm. there, but obviously there are other aspects of that bond that needed to be worked on. And that's what we did during my teenage years and during my young uh, adulthood life. Mm-hmm. But Yes, I mean, I don't have any memories of them during that time, to be honest with you. I just knew that they were my parents and I had to honor and respect them. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. So having gone through all that stuff so early on, uh, how did it? How does it ultimately shape your perspective on life and resilience? I mean, do you feel like I can handle? I did that in my earliest formative years. I can handle anything now, or is it the other side where there's this lingering residual anxiety about the uncertainties of life, like the unpredictability of what's going to happen next, or you know, I don't know. You know, right. do, do you feel more anxious because of it or do you feel more secure in who you are because of you went through all this stuff? I would say at a few years ago it would have been a mixture of both, but now it's more the latter. I am I've come to my own. I've learned so much about me and my resilience in the face of adversity uh, based on those earlier traumas that yeah. sometimes I would say I'm still healing that this is this is a healing journey you know being able for me to talk about these things it's healing in itself because I know that I was not the only one who went through this uh, you know from the thousands and thousands of families who immigrated out of the of El Salvador because of the war and me sharing my story on LinkedIn and other platforms has really opened up uh, other people to speak yeah. up about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you went through the same thing. Like how, how amazing, you know, how did you do it? What have you gone through? So we're able to really uh, talk to one another at that level where mm. we resonate because we live a, a shared experience, right? A life experience. But it has filled me with so much compassion for others because of all yeah. the suffering that I saw when I was a child. I mean, gosh, like seeing somebody like dead bodies waking up the next morning, having yeah. to sleep under a mattress because, you know, there were helicopters that were shooting in the middle of the night, having to see the shell, the casings of uh, the gun, you know, the, yeah. the gunfire the next morning. It's like, those are things no child should be exposed to at that time um, or yeah. any, right. anyone for that yeah. matter. Right. right. But you know, having experienced hunger, extreme hunger, extreme poverty, uh, growing up with no electricity. These are things that we take for granted. And I mean, I see it in my girls, you know, I see it in my kids and I'm like, y'all just don't know. Y'all have yeah. it so good. Yep. You know, I used to work picking cotton. I used to work picking coffee when I was eight, when I was seven. And that was the value of work that my parents instilled in me. And I, I'm grateful for that. Right. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I think of it like, we shouldn't be in that situation. Yeah. Um, but again, the environment shaped who I am. That doesn't mean that it defined, you know, just because I grew up in, in seeing so much hatred, so much craziness that I'm going to act the same way towards others. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's on the contrary. I believe, you know, because I, I suffered so much that I don't want to see people suffering. It breaks my heart to see people go hungry, people, you know, just fighting for petty stuff. Yeah. I always ask myself, why can't we just all get along? Black, white, <laughs> blue, brown, green, whoever. Okay. I have love for everyone. And I think um, you've grown to see that, uh, that that I get along with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that your mission is to empower women entrepreneurs and to, you know, uh, help be uh, a, a an influence on uh, 
Hispanic community, Latinas, you know, who inspired you in that regard? Who who did you look up to or who do you still look up to as an inspiration? I, I'm going to say that as an advocate for Latinas, I really didn't have anyone growing up. And I'm talking about when I was learning English, you know, ESL student, middle school, high school, and college. I really didn't have a role model or a figure that I would say, uh, I want like, oh my gosh, I want to be just like you, or I see myself in you. Hmm. But I have to go back and credit my parents for everything that they instilled in me, the value of honesty, remaining, you know, um, humble Mm -hmm. and working hard, right? But not necessarily working hard with your hands. And it's like I told him, yes, you guys have worked so hard throughout your entire life to build this, you know, or give us this this better life. But with me, I want to be able to redefine that, the narrative. I want to work hard, but with my my brain, with mm-hmm. actions, with putting efforts out there that it will change lives and impact them in a positive way. So one of the reasons why I focus completely on, it's my heart's mission to focus on Latina women, just mm-hmm. because I know the cultural battles we have to go through. Sure. Uh, the cultural chains that sometimes bind us to very archaic mentalities uh, you know, the mindset of the machismo and, and all of that. I, I'm here to redefine that that narrative for us because we have so much talent, but we're often unseen because we're we're expected to take a you know a backseat. So to me, it is definitely very important. Education, fundamentally going back to education and being able to provide that, being an advocate for Latina women all over the world. Yeah. What advice would you give to an aspiring woman entrepreneur who or a Latina uh, entrepreneur who's just starting her journey, facing self-doubt and all the obstacles that you've overcome? And and specifically, what would you say to the introverts out there? Because, I mean, you do have an assertive voice. You do have a a strong presence. What about people who would you just say, get over it, get get in there and do it, make your voice heard or. What's your advice to young Latina entrepreneurs? Absolutely. And and this is one of the things that, you know, it's a sad, it's a sad statistic. And I hope that we change that in in the the decades to come. But young Latinas, Latinx, Hispanics, however you want to call them, you just Mm. just know that it's Latinos in general. But young Latinas are the highest, they have the highest rate of, uh, you know, dying by suicide because, and I completely understand why because we feel unseen we feel not unvalidated like mm-hmm. our efforts we're just in the back like in the back seat again and we are afraid to speak up because of so many of those cultural uh, anchors that hold us back to me one of the basic things is you know you have gifts and natural abilities that the world is yearning to see have the courage to speak out to mm-hmm. speak up right? I know how scary it is. I've been there. I was silent for 10 years. Hmm. And so I decided enough is enough. Do I really want to live with the guilt of knowing, you know, looking back on my deathbed and saying, oh, I wish I would have done that. Or do I want to say I did it? I tried it. It didn't work out. Then you step, you know, you step back and you try it a different route. So for you, it's just having the courage to just do it. Yes, it sounds very cliche, right? I'm saying Hmm. that, but if you don't, then there will be no momentum. You know, there will be no wind to lift you up and continue propelling you to the future. So that was that was what I, in general. I yeah. know everybody's case is different, though. What's your what's your long term vision 
Where do you where do you want to where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? As as far as a global effort, uh, I definitely want to see more Latina women in positions that are powerful positions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, leading forces, leading global efforts to ed- for education, for healthcare, for technology. We have so many bright minds, but again. Mm-hmm. We are not seen because we're afraid to speak up. So being able to advocate for Latinas, being able to have just satellite offices all over the world that that empowers. And I I keep saying Latinas, but I know sometimes that really uh, my message cross cultural boundaries. And Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love it. So, yeah, I think you're a voice for for any oppressed group of people it doesn't have to be a latina it could it could you know mm-hmm. there might be a young african-american male or something or uh you know anyone that faces uh a, a more difficult path than you know well i hate to say it but you know a white guy <laughs> you know um i i don't want to i try to stay away from controversy here but i I think it'd be more controversial if I tried to deny that there was some sort of privilege of being white male in in America. Um, so I think your your voice, it, yes, you're speaking to Latinas, but I think it mm-hmm. it would be inspiring to any marginalized group that faces yes. you know obstacles. Yes, and and you're right because I I've been reached out you know from. India, individuals from India and saying, no, sure. I, I, your message resonates, like your story is so inspiring. You know, we're, we're going through that in, in, in a remote village and I'm trying, you know, these are individuals who are trying to just different, just be different, right? They're trying to help that cultural uh, curse stop, the generational curse stop with them. So, mm-hmm. and obviously it's difficult because you will be met with so much adversity. You will be met with so much resistance, but that is where the power lies. If you continue trucking to that resistance, knowing that at the end of the day, you will be, um, you know, contributing such an amazing positive thing for Mm. those who are going to come after you and you're leading the way. That's awesome. Well, uh, um, Rocky, what else you got going on? How can people find you? I know you got a bunch of stuff going on. Tell <laughs> us about your podcast, the oh my goodness, you know, your yes. writing project, everything, you know, and how can people find you? Absolutely. So the main thing right now, it is Hispanic Heritage Month. We're definitely celebrating and kicking off so many projects all over the country uh, because, again, I, I love celebrating my Latinaness. But <laughs> uh, celebrating all over here in Houston, we have so many different uh, events going on. Texas Tejano Tech Summit uh, 2023, but that's more locally. Globally speaking, I have my podcast or live stream every Saturday on LinkedIn. It's called Raquel Flores Connection Corner. And Basically, I inter- I interview individuals who are doing wonderful things for the world. This month, I'm focusing on Latinos mostly, but in general, I focus on people who are just change makers, global, um, global, you know, ambassadors who yeah. are just f- doing fantastic things. Whether they have a product, services, or mindset books, and um, and and I love it because it gives me the opportunity to get to know more kindred spirits, but at the same time, you know, helping one another. Collaboration and networking for me are two important things that we must continue to drive uh, in order to to come together you know unity love compassion all the wonderful feelings (laughs) (laughs) nice i love it well i will link i'll I'll get some information about your show and i'll link uh you know so people can in the show notes wherever someone is listening to this so they can find you on linkedin and then they can check out your show 
It's uh, you said it's every every weekend, every Saturday. Every Saturday at eleven Eastern, uh, Easter Standard Time. So we're talking okay. about New York East Coast, yeah. Right. Yeah, not Japan. Center. You know, it's, it's midnight here, but yeah, I still try to check it when I can. Uh, well, that's all, folks. Yeah. Go check out what Raquel Flores has got going on. Go check out uh, Raquel Flores Connection Corner on the weekend. Do that first. And then if you've still got the podcast itch, go over to zensandwich.com. You can listen to over 150 episodes uh, now. And you can help out this show. There's two ways to do that there. Both of them work. One of them's PayPal, one of them's Patreon. I got to keep the lights on. I got to pay the bills. So uh, every little bit helps. Raquel, thank you so much for your time today. I knew it would be awesome. I, you know, I, I, we could do this three hours. We have done this three hours before. We have. <laughs> but, we have. <laughs> I've got a few more limitations on this show. But, uh, but I really appreciate your time. It's always enlightening every time I talk to you. It has been a pleasure, Mark. You know that uh, you always bring the Zen absolutely into every conversation. You always bring that clarity, and it's always a joy to speak to you. Um, it's an honor, and thank you for this opportunity. I, um, I'm sure this will be the first of many. Yeah, absolutely. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.